Welcome to the Dark Side of Therapy. Tonight is a very special night because for the first time in ever, I'm going to chat with a colleague, not somebody that I don't know. And, and the person I'm going to interview is Candace Snodgrass. Uh, we've been peers for I'm not sure how many years, probably 20, maybe more or less. But it's, it's, uh, it's a fantastic relationship and one of the hardest working people I know. And she got her PhD, which makes me excessively jealous. So I'm gonna put her through the paces tonight and try to understand why she would do something so criminally insane and what the benefit was. So Candace, it's good to see you. Welcome to Dark Side. You as well, Eric. Thank you for having me on the show. You are absolutely welcome. I wanna start with this. If I had a PhD, I would write my name and PhD after it for uh, like a thousand times after I actually got my PhD, because I think that would be fun. Do you ever do things like that uh, yes, it's context specific. If I need someone to really hear what it is that I'm saying, and I think that adding a PhD might benefit their listening skills, then I usually add that. When I am at work, it's always there because um, that's my credentials. But right. in a, on a personal side of things, I don't introduce myself as a doctor. I don't put PhD when I'm signing a kid's note, you know, so there's it's all context specific. Does it feel empowering to be able to put that PhD after your name? Yeah, definitely in the work, um, the work arena, for sure it does mm. um, research, that sort of thing. That's a requirement anyway, because people do want to know your education level, where you hail from, that sort of stuff. So I think that it lends some credibility that way as well. Uh, but in my personal life, okay. I would say I feel like it would just be kind of like more alienating if I were to introduce myself that right. way if somebody else wants to say hey this is dr snodgrass they're welcome to do so but i don't personally introduce myself that way because i don't want to make myself feel like i'm a step apart from anybody that i've involved myself with in my personal relationships you've you brought up a great theme that i'm going to hit upon but i might hit upon it sooner now that you brought it up because a lot of the audience is going to want to know what is it like to get a phd i mean i think that's a huge question and uh you're one of the few people i know that achieved it and Candace, I had once been told many years ago that people respect people, not titles. And I, I think there is a lot of truth to that. Uh, you're smiling as I say that. <laughs> Why are you yeah. smiling as I say that? Um, because again, that one kind of goes along with where you put your credentials. It's very context specific, whether somebody just gives you that respect. Um, and again, like, so on a personal level, if you were to introduce yourself that way, it's sort of like is demanding some level of respect you may or may not be otherwise given. So I think that is sort of an alienating. It's just been my experience. I know many of my cohort does yeah. use their PhD or doctor, whomever. Um, but my personal experience is I want someone to get to know me for me and yeah. who I am. And I want to know that I'm respected for who I am, my yeah. ideas, my input. Yeah. my influence on their yeah. and vice versa. Absolutely. Um, and I work. Yes, I think it's very important that people know what your credentials are and what you've achieved to a certain extent. And I think you and I in our friendship relationship, it's never been about credentials. I don't think it's ever even come up. And um, and yet you can still respect somebody even if you don't become that person. I, I don't want to be a therapist everywhere I go. I'm pretty sure you don't want to be. Uh, but I know some people that don't back away from that. They kind of become whatever their degree or, or uh, certification is. And I'm thinking that that's a huge burden to be that everywhere you go. So I think you and I are on the same page with that. 
Yes, yes, yeah. I definitely carry some of my therapist tools, if you will, mm. everywhere I go, you know, yes. listening and being open-minded, that sort of thing. Those are things that I think are just an integral part of whom I am. So I carry a lot of the same values with me, but those are my personal as well as my professional values. But I don't wear a therapist hat every time I go anywhere. I don't want to. I don't. Right. I need to be able to have my separation as well in order to keep myself healthy. I I completely agree. I, geez, are we going to get to self care tonight? Do you think at some point? <laughs> I hope not. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I've, uh, I've been irritating my supervisees for a while now, so we won't even talk about self-care tonight. Here's my first big question. I, I want to know why you pursued a PhD, because the students out there that are thinking about getting a PhD, they've got their master's. Candace, I want you to help me give them a good reason to get your PhD, or maybe not a good reason, since you did it. You know this material better than anybody. So what do you say to them? Um... So there was a couple of reasons that I pursued my PhD, and I don't know that there's necessarily a good or a not good reason to pursue a higher degree of any form. I just think that there's decisions you make, and once you've started making those decisions, something like a PhD track or even a master's degree track is a very long haul choice. Um, and so you either make the choice to continue on and finish and just see what happens, or you don't, you make the choice to not pursue that part of your life because it is all consuming. Um, many, many people I know have had relationships and myself, I had my first um, marriage and during my PhD journey. So I've had a lot of different things go on. Um, so I don't know that there's necessarily a good or not good reason. Well, my reasons for continuing on is because I live in a very small town. Yep. Um, so we, I think our population is up to maybe 17,000 now, that might be on the high side. Right. So I actually yeah. went to our local university and got my bachelor's degree. And then I kind of tried to pursue some avenues of psychology because I was very interested in that. And then kind of looked around this town and realized there was very little in the psychology world itself that I could do with a bachelor's. So then I started looking at a master's. Right. And I realized the way that the Minnesota Psychology Board is set up for credentialing and licensing. The problem is, is there's not much you can do at a master's level. There are some things, but those are not things that are in high demand. Those areas, those countries are not high demand where. Yep, yep, yep. So in order to pursue psychology as a career in and of itself, my options were to do a PhD program. And I was able to find a blended program because I am not at liberty to, was not at liberty to do a brick and mortar um, university as well. So. I wasn't able to move. I have young children, I have a family. So it's not just about, it's not just an all is me decision. Like other people had that opportunity. I did not have that. So I chose to pursue my PhD. Once I got through, I, I've had a lot of ups and downs with that, but I finished right uh, at my own pace. It was my own journey. It looked 100% just me. It doesn't run in any course of anybody else's journey. Yep. It's just mine. I don't know if that's a long-winded way of answering your question. No, I like I like long-winded because um, I always, you know, whenever whenever I talk to somebody I haven't spoke with in a while, you sort of pick back up the patterns, and you're very sequential in how you talk, and I appreciate that because I'm ADHD, you know that. So the more sequential you get, the more I can follow you. So no, that was really really good. Um, I I I want to know 
the hardest part about this whole thing. And I, I know we can't just narrow it maybe down to just one thing, but if, if you could at least try the thing that you think, you say, you know what, that was the hardest part, or at least in the family of the hardest part in, in getting my doctorate, what would you point to? Oh, um, so I think it's a two-part answer that I'm going to give you. Sure. First one is, is that I chose to go to Walden University because it was a blended program. So I would do a lot of my coursework online. And then at the end of each quarter for a portion of my schooling, I would go away for about nine to 10 days. Um, so that's four times a year plus additional residencies. So there was psychology specific residencies and that sort of thing. So in that part of my education, I felt pretty well supported. I knew who my um, professors were. I knew my cohort pretty well, that sort of thing. Right. Then once it got to the practicum internship and dissertation, they like to have them all kind of bunched together where you're doing your, your internship and your dissertation at the same time. It was not possible for me. It's hardly possible for anybody else that I knew either. Um, but that's the way they've designed the program. Um, and so that second piece of it, I think, was so alienating and so isolating. Uh, primarily during my dissertation and my internship times, I felt no support from my school. Oh, gotcha. I had to gotcha. create my own internship and my own practicum because they are not heard of here in, in our area. So I was I had to really kind of jump through a lot of hoops to do that. So that isolation piece, I think, is the worst piece of it. Gotcha. That kind of goes with the second part of the isolation. So the first hardship was the isolation I felt from the school itself because they're not they're not in a position to support you locally. Yeah, right, right. And the second one was isolation from my friends and family unit, I guess because they wanted to support me. They just didn't know how to support me. And I didn't know how to get support or receive support either. So every attempt to support somebody who's in a very intensive program, like a grad school, plus working full time, I've always worked one or two jobs all the time. And then raising kids, like it's very isolating. I have experienced things that are on a very different level than other people, not not worse, not, not better, just different. And so I don't have anybody in my area that I can share that experience with, except my one supervisor who went to a brick and mortar school and found tons of different types of support. So her, her journey was very different. So isolation, but in multiple areas. So my personal life and also in my academic life, I have felt the isolation was the hardest part. So let me, let me reveal my ignorance. <clears throat> I, I didn't think you were going to say that. I, and, and this again, Candace, is my probably Hollywood view of the PhD, which is watching somebody in the research lab or, you know, carrying the books through the different university walkways and just, you know, you're up 24 hours a day. You're talking about loneliness, really, uh, in, in, in the process. Yeah, so a lot of loneliness, I think it's a really good way to say it, and also a lack of ability to improve that because you are right, it's 24 hours, it's it's every it's hanging over your head, there's everything is still undone. Doesn't matter how many assignments you complete or grades you get, the next assignment is always right there. Yeah. First and foremost, and it's it does become lonely, but there's not a cure for that because you can't invest time into relationships and understanding and also do the workload 
and do it well. You have to make a lot of different choices and a lot of sacrifices along the way that create and foster isolation and loneliness. And there's a very real lack of ability to, to change that once you've invested your time, finances, energy into that program. I wonder how many people in PhD programs have the same exact experience, but they don't, they don't talk about that part. They don't, they don't talk about the loneliness and the isolation. And what I'm hearing you say is you had to put together certain pieces of direction that the university did not do. Um, that sounds hard. It was. I actually think there's a lot more attention paid to that now than probably ever before in academia because there's, you know, the retention rate is very low for mm -hmm. grad programs, especially ones that are blended or online. Those are the worst. So they do actually invest quite a bit of money and time and energy into researching retention rates. What goes into them? Why? How do they do that? How do they improve their retention rates? Um, so I actually am part of some online groups that really foster that sense of belongingness and that sense of understanding from one person pursuing a PhD or having had a PhD to another. Um, and I think finding those groups is incredibly important and, you know, pre-social media, that wasn't an option. If you right. if you were not going to a brick and mortar school where you could see your cohort every day, then there isn't anything else. And now there is more of those options and I think that's a step in the right direction. Absolutely. I'm thinking too, as you're talking, think about like a marathon. Back when I was in good shape, I could actually run a half marathon. And you know how there's kind of like markers, you know, the first mile marker or whatever, and you know, you're getting close. Was your PhD process ever like that, Candace, where you thought, okay, now I'm at this marker, I'm seeing some light, I'm at mile, you know, 21, whatever. What was it like that for you? No. No, no, okay. No. All right. Okay. It's like that um, for a lot of my cohort members, they, they talked about that in terms of milestones. Um, but I think the way that my brain functions, my anxieties, my fears, yeah. it's an all or nothing gig, right? So I don't let myself and probably to my deficit, don't let myself really get hung up on the smaller mm -hmm. thing and to celebrate those as well as possibly I could and could have. Sure. Because I'm always looking at how much more work is yet to be completed. Gotcha. Get that sense of relief from those milestones. I would suspect a lot of people in your position see it the same way though. That it's, and, and what a long journey too. How long did it take you, Candace, from start to finish? So I'll get over my embarrassment here. Please do. It's the dark <laughs> side. Come on. It was a lockstep program, um, so which means you didn't have a choice in how you took your courses. They're laid out for you. And it was a master's PhD hybrid program. So during the course of my PhD enrollment, I also got my master's degree and then just continued on. Okay. Um, so it was designed on paper, hypothetically speaking, should have taken six years. Okay. One, I realized <laughs> that's not doable. I only knew two people, because um, I also worked for all them, I only, only knew two people out of the hundreds of students in our clinical psych program that actually graduated within that same, the timeline that they were laid out and given. The six years. Yes, yes. And mine took nine years and three quarters. So I was just shy of, I would have one more quarter and I would have been at 10 full years. So it, it wouldn't be me if I didn't ask you this because you said embarrassment. <laughs> Why is that embarrassing? 
Um, I think just because the amount that not only I've had to sacrifice, but my family's had to sacrifice is a little bit of a sore subject for me still. I'm still, gotcha. you know, we're all still kind of like recouping from that. But also I think because, you know, six years was the, that's what was laid out on paper. So if someone says you can do it in this timeline, you know, I aim to do that in that timeline. So it's not necessarily that I feel anymore that it's a failure, but it is hard to stomach that I've had every life experience that you can imagine happen during my grad program right. um, and just kind of lengthened things out because, you know, my dissertation, I could not do it at the same time as my internship for travel reasons because it took so much effort to get an unpaid internship and then drive. There was no way I had any time left over to do a dissertation or family or anything else. Um, so okay. it's just kind of a, that's a, it's a bummer that it took me that long. So it's just a, a little bit of embarrassment that I'm working on. You know what I'm thinking as you're saying this is there's somebody watching this podcast or who will watch this podcast in a few weeks when we get it out, who's going to be in the same position, who's been at it for six years, seven years, and, and they're going to feel this shame of, oh, there's something wrong with me. And then to see somebody like you achieve this and give the rationale behind it. I think that's very powerful, Candace. I do, because you know, you and I know we work in a very shame-based uh, field. Well, we work in a shame-based culture, and uh, <laughs> I think things rarely go according to plan, but you know, people need to hear that. They need to have the permission. So I think your vulnerability there was outstanding because it will be beneficial. Because again, you got somebody at the crossroads seven years thinking, do I really want to do this or do I just quit? Um, and you get to be the example of somebody that really sacrificed and, and, uh, and I know there were some consequences that you're, you're, you're telling me, but, um, you did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it probably would have been a little easier if it hadn't have been, you know, the only thing that they gave me was like, here, yes, you can do this in six years. Um, yeah. if I had had like a realistic conversation with, you know, somebody, a professor, anybody in academia, if they had really hit home that like, Hey, this is the time frame in which most people, most adults experience great big things in their life. Right. right. You know, because it's the, the age you're getting married, it's the age you're traveling, it's the age you're having kids, it's the age your parents might be failing in health, you might start failing in health, right? So all of those things, and it probably would have been easier to stomach, I think, if I wasn't quite the overachiever and I had set my sights maybe at a realistic goal of eight, eight and a half, nine years. But I kind of put a lot of that on myself to like, as if I wasn't doing enough, even though I knew I was doing enough. Yep. 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 My heart says, you know, you didn't get it done in a timeline, so you're not enough. Right. And so those are just the things that I think it would have been helpful, but you're right. Like that shame based stuff, like it's just never going to be done. It's not going to be enough. If you quit, you're going to be a failure. Yep. There's a lot of shame um, in this, in this journey. Yeah. The um, I'm I'm interviewing next week a, a professor from um, a Seattle university, and she'd written several articles on this same topic, Candace, of you know timeliness. And she wrote this great piece about well, what if I have nothing left to do in the day? Well, that's not okay. You know, I have to fill my time with all this stuff. And I'm realizing this is really contagious, especially amongst mental health people. We do not like downtime. We like every moment filled, don't we? I don't know that I can say we like it, but do we do it? Absolutely. You're right. Thank you. We don't like <laughs> it, but we feel like we need to do it because yeah. the downtime is not a good thing. 
right? Like, there's a lot. There's a lot of deepness to that conversation, right? So, a lot of what happens. What do you have to deal with if you stand still? Yeah, not paying attention to. And again, I, I, I think it goes back to the, the permissiveness that it's okay to do that. But, you know, where's the permission yeah. coming from? And you and I both know this. We don't we don't get it from very many sources, um, right. which means sometimes we have to create that that permission and then give it to the people that we work with. Now, I'm going to ask you the toughest question I'm going to ask tonight. This will be the toughest one. OK. Deep breaths. I know <laughs> you're talking to a room full of students. OK. And you're going to tell them the top three reasons to get a PhD. What would they be? It's easy after this, Candace, I promise. Yeah, no, I'm just trying to organize my thoughts. So oh, yeah, I, I know. Um, because you want to would be the top one, right? So whatever your driving reasons are, if you want to get a PhD, go for it. It'll never be at the right place, the right time, the right experience. You'll never have enough money for that. I agree. But if that's what you want, because you're going to get some sort of self-identity, some sort of fulfillment, some sort of dream or goal met, go for it. And everyone else will, you will create a way to do that. Um, number two, I guess, would be you know what? I, there's just one. I feel like Larry King tonight. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, there's it's just it's because you want to. I mean, you can do the sky's the limit, right? With your PhD, um, but it's a lot of work. You can relocate with bachelor's, you can relocate with a high school diploma, right? So okay. If relocation is your goal, but you don't really need a PhD, right? right, so right. The whole reason to do that is because it's something that you want to either prove to yourself, prove to the world, it's fulfilling for you in some way. You're going to get something back out of that. So whether that's, you know, another step into your field, like for myself, I wanted to do a lot of testing with, yeah. um, you know, with with people and help them out in ways that maybe talk therapy isn't going to be as revealing or a way to help therapists, to help mental health workers understand context, right? Understand how people learn. I, I desire a lot of knowledge about what makes us tick as people. Me too. That really has helped me a lot. I'll be a lifetime learner. I learned something, it's cliche, right? But I learned something every day. But that is the only reason that I can come up with right now on the spot that you would ever pursue a PhD because the amount of sacrifice that goes into that yeah. really can only be met and can only be counter, what is it, counterbalanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's a chose, great, because you want to, word, because though. you chose this. It's almost like, if I'm hearing this right, it's, it's kind of like having a second job. I mean, it really is for what you have to put into it. I would say it's much more intense. Wow. I've had a lot of different jobs in my lifetime, including working in mental health, right, with endless reports and endless progress notes. And I would say yep. uh, academia is much more challenging. 
Why do you say that? What makes it more challenging? I think because, again, you always have this black cloud, right? So something's always hanging over your head. It's always undone. Um, you're forever having to tell people in your life, I can't. Hmm. Right? I want to, but I can't. I want to, but I can't because you're never going to be caught up for nine hours. Nine years right. and three quarters, there wasn't a single moment where I felt I could breathe and I was caught up. Even though we had like a week or two weeks between quarters, that was the time where I crunched all the rest of my life into right. this time, all the appointments, all the errands, everything, so that I could start the next quarter and focus on school. So there was never that sense of being caught up. And at least you have goal markers in your work right there's goal markers you can say well you know i know i'm leaving 20 right. progress notes and i'll get to those you know when you're caught up you know when you're finished so there's still obviously elements that are not caught up but that really really intense in the intensity and you know it's intense because it can always be taken away hmm. any given moment if you don't you know my program you had to maintain a 2.0 gpa for a long time then it was 2.5 then to be in the grad program, very specifically clinical psychology, it was a 3.0. So that can be taken from you at any given time. If you had something happen to you and you couldn't finish a quarter, there was a part of the program where you had to start all over again. If you didn't stay committed, regardless of the reason, you had to go all the way back and do that year over again because it was that specific and intense in order to meet licensing requirements of multiple states. So for that, the mental load is so incredibly high. You know what I'm liking about this tonight? It's honest. And I, and I, and I think this material fits so well in the dark side because, you know, what, what we're doing tonight, a lot of people aren't going to get this beforehand. You, know, you and I have talked about this. I think I'd asked you the question once, you know, why don't we tell students this stuff? And I, I'm paraphrasing you, but I think you said, Eric, because... If we told them this, they would never come into the field. There'd be a lot of people that would be swayed away and that kind of yeah. circles back to the only reason to get a PhD is because it's something for you. Because yeah, and, uh, something you can feel that will either assist you or meet a goal because there's really no other reason to do it. If you absolutely. do anything else, you're going to be burnt out and you may not finish. And then you're going to be stuck with a bunch of debt, a bunch of sacrificing, and no more job opportunities that you would have otherwise had, right? Like it doesn't give you a boost to do some of the work, but not all the work. You yeah, have to go. Once you start, you have to go the whole way. And there's, and there's nothing wrong with not doing that. There's nothing at all. There's, you know, then there's that what if too, once you get started and there's no shame and not finishing at and all. I, and I, people who didn't finish. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I, <laughs> it's funny because you and I have never really talked about this. And I, I feel like tonight's an education for me because uh, the word that keeps going through my brain, Candace, is you better have good boundaries. I mean, unbelievably good boundaries. And the boundaries you have to put in place are not always going to be the people who probably want to accept your boundaries because it could be friends, family, I don't know, your, your grandmother, whatever. But that's kind of what's being asked is you have to have profound boundaries if you're going to make this work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a really good perspective of that. Um, yeah. 
And in order to enforce those, right, you're going to have a lot of fights. You have to fight with a lot of people who are used to you being able to do more, be more present, be more involved, do fun things. You know, a lot of our friendships, a lot of our relationships are built on the fun. Right. All of a sudden, you can get to that point where there's no more time for fun. And you have to make that choice that I will sacrifice my fun, right, my humor, my laugh. Not that I agree with that. I don't I don't like that. That's the requirement. Yeah, yeah right, right. You know, if you're if you're a parent, you don't have time for all the fun. You don't have there's moments, but as like a regular fulfillment, there it's just not available. Right. So yeah, it's just sort of a you'd have to do it because you want to. I can't think of any other reason. I think I think I think you nailed it. I, I, I always I guess this is part of who I am. I'm always looking for the big Wizard of Oz answer, and it's always pretty simple. It's just the guy behind the curtain. And in this case, the analogy is because you want to do it. Um, okay. I think I think I can live with that. Here's, here's my final question. Final advice that you have for somebody that's in between getting a PhD. What do you, what do you say to them? I mean, this is Candace at her best here. What is that... <laughs> otherworldly advice that only you know that you haven't already said that okay so there's going to be a lot you learned about yourself on this journey hmm. but you're going to learn a lot about yourself no matter which journey which path you take in your life you're going to learn things about yourself as long as you're open to learning and your phd isn't going to change who you are hmm. there's no there's no shame in doing whatever path makes the most sense for you, whether that's starting, whether that's returning, whether that's taking a leave, whether that's not returning, whether it's seeing it all the way through. A PhD does not change who you are. You are who you are because of the choices you make every day. I, I think very few people have ever said that out loud. A PhD is not going to change who you are. Yeah. I want to say... Um, Thank you. I, I could do this all night, but I know you have a life too. Um, but I, I appreciate the honesty, first of all. I mean, I, I knew you were going to be, but th this hits hard. And I like these kinds of interactions because uh, they they get to the point very quickly and we don't mince words here. And I think you've given just a remarkably vulnerable uh, uh, insight into what the journey was like for you. Uh, so I really appreciate it. The listeners and watchers will appreciate it. And uh, I, I'm just so grateful we could do this. So thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the scope in which you're working on this stuff to, to be able to enlighten people, to be able to help people have informed choices. Absolutely. What I love to do as a psychologist. I'm well, not the keeper of the knowledge. I present it and you get to make your choices. Absolutely. You do that with your program. You present the information, people can do with it what they choose. But at least you're in a position to start giving people real information. It's a fantastic point. Candace, again, thank you so much. This was The Dark Side of Therapy. As always, please like, subscribe, leave us a comment, and we will see you next time.